The famous author Mark Twain once said, Never put off until tomorrow what you can do the day after tomorrow. That's the philosophy a lot of people have when it comes to Christmas shopping. And that may be good advice for some things in this life. But my brothers and sisters, when it comes to personal conversion, we should not put it off. Not even for a second. As today's Gospel reading makes clear, even tomorrow might be too late. This text that we just heard from Luke 21, of course, refers to the second coming of Christ at the very end of the world. But many of us, most of us, perhaps all of us, will not survive until that point in time, the end of it all. And so the truth of this passage can also be applied to the end of our earthly lives, whenever that happens. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And there are lots of those, are there not? In other words, don't let the temptations of this life pull you away from Christ and the living of your Catholic faith, because it's not worth it. It is not worth it. Be vigilant and at all times pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent. We all have tribulations that are imminent. And to stand before the Son of Man. This passage reminds us of divine judgment, and that can be a little bit of a scary thought. And yet the real message of the passage is we don't have to fear it. Jesus says, hold your heads up. Because if we're making every effort to remain in the state of grace and not delaying our conversion and repentance, it's a day to look forward to. It's a day of redemption and glory for us, or it will be. But the Catholic Christian life is not just about me and Jesus. It's not just about my personal conversion and my salvation. The Catholic Christian life is about me and Jesus, yes, but it's also about my brothers and sisters. We are to love our brothers and sisters in the human family as we love ourselves. St. Paul reminds us of this in today's second reading when he says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Notice what St. Paul does in this text. He connects three ideas, love, holiness, and judgment. To be holy and ready for judgment, we must love others. That's his message. And if we love others, really love them, with the love of Jesus Christ, our first desire for those people will be their eternal salvation. Remember what loving really means. To love is to desire the good for someone else. That's what love is. And the greatest good that we can possibly desire for anybody is heaven. Salvation. It's more important than getting into Harvard, more important than getting a six-figure job, those are the kinds of things people tend to desire for their loved ones. Well, first and foremost, it should be heaven. This, by the way, is why I go ballistic, why I freak out when I meet children, either in our school or in our CCD program, whose parents do not take them to Sunday Mass every week. 
do these parents really love their children? They'd probably be insulted if I asked that to their faces. But it's a legitimate question. Because if they do really love their children, their first desire for their children will be for them to know, love, and serve Jesus Christ on this earth so that they live forever with Jesus Christ in his eternal kingdom. But it goes even beyond our immediate families. If we truly love our friends and the people we work with and the many others we share our lives with, we will want them to know the Lord and to get to heaven more than we desire anything else for them. This is why evangelization is so important. Evangelization is a word that you will hear from this pulpit and from a lot of other Catholic pulpits throughout this state in the coming year. What does evangelization mean? To evangelize very simply means to bring people to Jesus Christ and to his one holy Catholic and apostolic church for the sake of their salvation, so that they'll go to heaven. Our bishop, Bishop Tobin, as most of you know, has declared this to be a special year of evangelization here in the Diocese of Providence, a year when we make extra efforts to reach out to those who do not know the Lord, as well as to those people who did know Christ at one time in their lives, but have since fallen away from the practice of their faith. And there are lots of people in that category out there in the world. And this is supposed to be everyone's responsibility. It's not just the bishop's job and the deacon's job and the priest's job. It's for everybody. All that having been said, I have a modest proposal to make this morning. My proposal, very simply, is that each of us make the commitment at this Mass to try to bring one person to Christ or back to Christ during the next 12 months. That's not too much to ask, is it? I hope it isn't. It could be anyone, a relative, a friend, a co-worker, someone we go to school with, anyone. You know, you might say, but Father Ray, how am I supposed to do this? I don't know the Bible and the Catechism as well as you do. How am I supposed to get somebody to take me seriously? Oh, glad you asked those questions. <laughs> See, I have a very simple method for you to use, which does not require long hours of Bible study, nor does it require that you stand on a soapbox on a street corner and preach long homilies like me. Thankfully, you won't have to do that. This is a method of evangelization that's very easy, very non-threatening, and it can be used by people of all ages. It's a method that some of us learned when we made a Curcio retreat sometime in the past. The method has three steps. Very simple steps, very easy to remember. Step number one, make a friend. We've all made friends in the past, so that should be pretty clear as to what that involves. Step number two, be a friend to that person. In other words, establish a true bond of trust with them. And step number three is, bring that friend to Jesus Christ. Now to show you exactly how that works in the real world, I'm going to invite Deacon Fran to come forward and to finish today's homily by sharing an experience he had of evangelizing a co-worker a number of years ago. This is an unusual Mass for a few reasons. One of which is right now.
You might call this a tag team homily this morning. That's a first here at St. Pius. So I'll now make the tag and turn things over to our deacon. You think the WWF is ready for us? <laughs> now before I start, distractions. The devil, Satan, is the master of distractions and the master of disaster in our lives. And that's why we have forgotten what our baptismal call is. And that is to be disciples and evangelizers for the faith. That being said, it was on a Curcio weekend, so long ago it seems, that I first realized that as a Christian it was my responsibility to bring Jesus to others. Prior to this, the word evangelization was something I thought the televangelist guys did on TV. But that special weekend brought many truths to light, and for me was an epiphany. Jesus' words made me stop and think about what my faith was really all about. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain. I couldn't escape the fact that it was me who was called by Jesus to spread the good news. If Christ's message and the gospel were to be heard, it was up to me to bring it to wherever I was. Whether at home, in my neighborhood, or at work, no matter where I was, it was up to me to bring Christ to others. It was up to me to make a friend, be a friend, and then bring that friend to Christ. I remember one friendship at work. I had known a fellow co-worker, John, for many years, but it was always either business or pleasure that was of mutual interest and never had our faith been a topic of discussion. I met John while I was working on the second shift as the plant supervisor. John was a service engineer at the time and would troubleshoot problems with our products out in the field. Over time, our work relationship became more of a friendship, one founded on mutual trust. The simple honesty and courtesy that we shared and an eagerness to help each other were at the root of this trust. My friendship with John grew over the years, so by the time I had made a Curcio weekend, John and I shared a friendship that was something a little more personal than professional. My weekend retreat really left me a changed person. As I said, it was the stark realization that it was up to me to bring Jesus to the marketplace. Yet in all my excitement, never did I consider approaching my friend John about it. But God had different plans. 
It was the Ash Wednesday after I had found my new calling as a Christian that things happened between John and I that changed not only his life, but the life of others as well. In past years, after receiving ashes, but before going to work, I would return home and wash them off. Sound familiar? I felt I looked a little foolish and wasn't prepared for the comments to follow, or at least what I thought would follow. However, this year I decided differently. Not only did I not feel foolish, but I actually felt like it was a badge of honor to be a fool for the Lord. Little did I know what the Holy Spirit had intended. About one hour into my work day, as I was exiting my office, I bumped into John in the hallway. He looked at me with surprise and immediately he noticed the ashes on my forehead. Later that day he approached me and said how impressed he was in seeing the ashes and that reminded him of his own lost faith. This of course was the lead in the Holy Spirit placed before me. I had to run with it. We had a short chat about our Catholic faith which neither of us had known we shared as something in common all those years. As time went on, John would stop by to chat about his desires to rediscover and get back into his faith. He said he envied this newfound relationship I had with the Lord and commented on how much I had changed after that retreat. This gave me an opportunity to share with him about my Curcio experience and how grateful I was that I had been asked to attend that weekend. He expressed interest in the weekend and, as grace would have it, decided to go to the next men's weekend. Needless to say, when John came back from the weekend, he was absolutely on fire. And if you know somebody or you are someone who has been to a Curcio weekend, you know what I am talking about. He was excited about the prospect of sharing his faith with others. But like most of us, he felt a little intimidated at the idea. Realizing our dependence on each other for support, John and I decided that we would meet in my office at lunchtime each day. This gave us an hour or so to share our faith with each other. It also gave us the courage and the strength to remain faithful to this call to evangelization. It was both a tool for personal growth and a basis for our evangelizing efforts. We'd share about things that we were reading such as scripture and other faith-based books, or how our prayer life was going. We discussed what we were doing to just to try to be good Catholics. And of course, we'd share how the evangelizing efforts were going in our lives. Oftentimes, our discussions focused on the Eucharist, how we felt it was transforming both of us the more that we received. My office back then 
was a good size office, had three huge desks in it and numerous filing cabinets. One of the desks was occupied and used by my office assistant, Michelle. Even though she was at the opposite end of this long office, she was in earshot of what John and I discussed. She was comfortable with being privy to our chat, so we paid no attention that she was there. Oftentimes we forgot that she was even there. Little did we know that she was more than comfortable with overhearing our discussions. I found out she actually took a deep interest in them, especially when we talked about the Eucharist. One day she approached me expressing a desire to know more about this faith that John and I had been sharing all this time. She told me she had been baptized in the Episcopal Church, but had never been raised in that or any other faith. Talking to Michelle as time went on about our faith was really easy. The make a friend and be a friend process had long been established. It was just a matter of now sharing personally with her this faith she had overheard for so long. Although she mostly listened, her participation in our discussions got her more into asking about how she could become a Catholic. Well. Once we learned that, shortly after that, we made arrangements for her to participate in the RCIA program. As her sponsor, I couldn't have been happier for this young woman. It was about nine months after John and I had started meeting at lunchtime in my office that Michelle, who had been pretty much unchurched all her life, was received into the Catholic Church and received her first communion and confirmation at the Easter Vigil. All because someone was willing to talk about their faith. Make a friend. Be a friend. And then bring that friend to Christ. Pretty simplistic. But then again, Jesus wasn't dealing with rocket scientists when he chose the apostles. And yet, look at all that has occurred because of their efforts. I've often heard the saying, but by the grace of God, there go I. And so now I often wake in the morning and ask God that today, Lord, today, make me your grace, that someone else may have this great gift that you have given me through the efforts of others. And for that gift, that gift of faith and hope and love, that gift of salvation, of redemption, I give great praise to God our Father through Jesus Christ. At all the exits to the church, on the sides here and in the vestibule, you'll find a pile of these prayer cards titled, Return to Me with All Your Heart. On the back of this card, there's a beautiful prayer for evangelization. Short, sweet, concise, to the point. This prayer for evangelization, my brothers and sisters, I believe, is urgently needed in a world that is quickly 
and systematically forgetting about and even denying both God and faith in Him. But as we do this, let us remember one thing. Before you talk to your friend about Jesus, before you go to your friend and try to evangelize him, it's best that we first talk to Jesus about our friend in prayer. And so I urge you to pick this up before you go. Put it in your prayer book or in something that you're going to see every day at the beginning of the day. Look at it and pray the prayer and ask the Lord to give you the grace, the courage and the wisdom to be his disciples and evangelizers. This prayer is a great way to start your day. In this joyful season of hope, my brothers and sisters, my fervent prayer is that all of you find comfort and joy in spreading this awesome faith that God has given us. Make a friend, be a friend, and then bring that friend to Christ. Very easy. And together with Jesus, we cannot fail. Amen.